Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. And uh, we are talking about family, about marriage, and about divorce today. Um, I realize that today's the Super Bowl, um, but the chip and dip will wait uh, for a little while. Um, I heard that they're having seven hours of pregame uh, stuff on TV. I would think you'd run out of chip and dip by the, by the you know, first couple hours. You blow through that stuff, or at least you're full. Um, but anyways, I uh, hope you enjoy the game today, and I hope your team wins. Um, some of you don't care about it at all. Um, you're, you'll root for one team for one quarter, and if they seem like they need, the other team needs more encouragement, you'll flip-flop and like colors in the uniform and so on and so forth. Um, we are talking about marriage today and really family. And I, Why is it so hard to be married? Why is it so hard to be a family? It's real simple. <laughs> uh, you have one sinner that marries another sinner, that then tries to raise sinners. <clears throat> Let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, <clears throat> it's true. Uh, it's true. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we've been saved from our sin, but that does not mean that we don't still continue to sin. Their sins are covered. Um, you can raise your kids at church, and you should. In fact, some of you are remiss in that. Uh, you got other things, more important things going on. And why? What is so important? Um, but you can raise your kids in the church, um, and unless they come into personal relationship with Jesus, um, it still is not... Uh, something that will cause them to escape the pains of this world. And so we're, we're intentional. We are uh, people that are uh, uh, excited about this. We are weekly and daily thinking of our children and thinking of our marriage because we realize the stakes are so high, because we realize life is so difficult, because we realize the attacks are many. We come... And we are um, understanding and we are giving ourselves to, to try to know what God wants us to know here this morning. Why is this important? Uh, it's important for your family. I think it's difficult. Did you know we're, uh, we're in the midst of an election as well? I don't know if you caught that. Um, and, and sometimes when you listen, I, I listened to little bits of the debate uh, last night. And you, you kind of get on the edge of your seat and you're like, the whole world revolves and hinges on what they're talking about. And sometimes we get confused that politics and world events are going to change the world. But what's going to change the world is what goes on in your home, in your marriage, your relationship to your children, your care for your grandchildren. That is what God's called you to. That is what uh, is your sphere of influence. And so this morning we see the importance of this. And um, this is why we're talking about it. I, I want to encourage you also, uh, and I hope this is encouraging to you. You can't go and undo the past. You can't go and undo the past. I know that 
we come uh, as people with cuts and bruises and scrapes and sometimes breaks and limps and uh, various other things that came from our past and bad decisions that we have made. But I want to tell you, you can't go and do your past, but what you can do is follow Christ today and take steps with Him the way He thinks you should go from this day forward. And so be careful that you don't dwell on the sins of the past and the things that you've done wrong in the past, but rather today that you engage. You engage with the Lord, that you're connected with Him, that you're walking with Him, that you're making decisions that He would want you to make today. Please stand in honor of God's Word. And I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 19. The first 12 verses. God's Word says this, uh, Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, He went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed Him and He healed them there. And Pharisees came uh, up to Him and tested Him by asking, is it, lawful for, uh, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read uh, that He created them? From the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one, one flesh. Uh, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of uh, your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry but he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those whom it was given. For there are those, there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been, so, uh, have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have, who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. God, we ask your blessing on our time. Honor yourself, your word in us. Cause us to come with uh, moldable hearts before you, uh, not guarding the past, but looking for steps for the future. God, do your work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you were here two weeks ago, you realized that uh, the first section of that we've already gone over, um, and this is part two. Um, as we see the, we see him moving from one place to another. The crowds are coming in again, and these leaders, so-called leaders, in verse three, the Pharisees come and they test Jesus. Test Jesus. Uh, when you test somebody, you're assuming authority over them. You're assuming that they have to answer to you. And so they came to test Jesus, the Pharisees, thinking that they were in charge, thinking that they were going to stump Jesus. 
and they bring him one of the toughest questions around, a, tough, a question about marriage. And, and as I shared with you two weeks ago, what you believe about marriage is also what you believe about divorce. And what you believe about divorce tells me what you think about marriage. As we come to this, uh, they ask the question, uh, can you get divorced for any cause? Uh, there were two kind of different camps in the Jewish thought. There were two different teachings. One was that you uh, could get divorced for any cause. There was a sense where the man, if he didn't like his wife for any reason, could put her away. Could say, be done. Get out of here. I don't want you anymore. Um, and then the second idea was just for that of immorality. Some kind of immorality. And Jesus is going to talk about that as well. It's interesting that the, the Pharisees come with the question, not, not so much if one can divorce, but rather, what are the stipulations? At what time and in what situations can you get divorced? Uh, in our culture, in our culture, as well as the culture where Jesus was, there's the same idea. Of course you can get divorced. Of course you can dissolve a marriage. Uh, what are the rules when it comes to doing these things? To which Jesus answered, and I, I made him five things in, a couple of weeks ago. This is just the review. But he points to creation. And he says that, that man and woman were different, uh, but they were meant to be together. Uh, he points back to the, the Old Testament, to the uh, creation account in Genesis. And he says, I created male and female different to be that creative counterpart that perfect counterpart for one another many have said over and over again that oh you're just people it's just a little bit of difference and we know that not to be true right that male and female are very different and you say well why are they so different because God wanted it that way he caused us to be this partnership so so he says in creation I made them a peculiar for a reason and he he points to this change this leaving and cleaving that a child is not to grow up and live the rest of his day in that family but go and to have another family they're to leave and cleave they're to be changed into this new family and that's good he also points to the change and he says now this new change is the two becoming one the two becoming one and it's this one flesh relationship, both coming together uh, intimately as well as this combining of life that cannot be changed. It's not something that you can separate easily and they just walk away. It's a one flesh relationship. And then uh, God says this, that he, he points to this peculiar thing that it is not man. It is not man that brings together a husband and wife in relationship, but it is Him. It's God's work of joining. And the implication or the, the command because of that, God, it's God's work that no one should separate. Because it's God's work, no one should mess with God's work. It is His design to bring one's to, two people together so that no one, no one should separate that because they're messing with what God has created, what God wanted to be together. Which brings us to today, and it's the Pharisees' follow-up question. 
uh, you, you realize about you know, politics, a follow-up question. You didn't answer my question. Uh, Jesus was famous for this. He wasn't a politician, but he didn't let people set the agenda. They ask a question, and Jesus, a lot of times he asked another question. That was one of his favorite things to do, but I, and I like that. But uh, he, he always controlled the information. He always said, this is what you need to know. And what he presented to the Pharisees and to all who were listening is that my design for marriage went like this. Two different people, two different people, male and female, that they would... Uh, come together that they would be changed that they would come together in a permanent relationship that this is my doing and I bring it together that this is my plan this is my eternal plan this is how I laid it out and this is what still remains and today I would say this as well we're we're many days past uh, when Jesus said this still too true today Jesus takes us from Matthew all the way back to creation and he says it's still true i'm going to stay with the original intent here okay this is how how it was in creation it's still today and today i would say the same thing we go back we hear jesus but we also hear that he points us back to genesis this is how we are created well the follow-up question goes like this this, and, and you know how people do this when they're testing someone. They, they, they throw out a question that's deeper than uh, it may first appear. And they have some trick in the back of their mind. Aha, I got you. I got you. And this is their second part of this gotcha uh, questioning. And this is where we are today. You look down in, in God's Word and you see that after he answered this in verse 7 they said to him why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce to send her away they point back to uh, the culture of really the the time of the Old Testament and the rule of Moses the leadership of Moses and what was going on in that time was divorce uh, that, that people were being immoral in their marriages that there was separation all the time and uh, a man was taking one wife and when he got tired of her, he put her away and got another wife and it was just a selfish, uh, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. <laughs> and so it, in this time, he points to Moses, or Pharisees point to Moses and say this, why did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce? Uh You'll see in Jesus' response, as, as you say, he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. Uh, as you hear that, uh, there's, a, there's a switch, there's a change. They say command. The question is command. Jesus says allowed, allowed. Well, what's the difference there? Well, the difference is uh, the Pharisees were overselling it. They were overselling it. They were making it something that Moses commanded those people to get divorced. It was Moses' fault that those people were getting divorced. Are you going against what Moses has said? They're twisting words. And Jesus says, no, because of the hardness of heart, because of your hardness of heart, 
And really, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, your hardness of heart, but it's the idea that that kind of hardness of heart, when it's present, that's why Moses allowed divorce. Allowed divorce. The hardness of heart. Hardness of heart is uh, something pretty interesting. What is that? It's that we uh, say no to God over and over again. Got my own idea. No. We, we have this soft heart before Him as a child and we, we go about things and yet over time, over time, and the saying of no over and over and over again, we realize that over time that, that heart that should have been moldable and, and ready to move at God's commands becomes hard because we rebel over and over again. The best example probably of this is Pharaoh. Pharaoh. As uh, in, a, in a time uh, we realized that uh, in Egypt, uh, the Pharaoh was doing his own thing. He saw himself as a god. Uh, god comes to him and uh, Moses comes to him and says, uh, let my people go. Like, we're going we're gonna to go. God says, and, and what you see in Pharaoh is him looking at God's communication with him through the miracles and through the plagues. And Pharaoh saying every time, I, I won't bend. I won't be moldable to you. And it brings out a hardness in Pharaoh's heart. So what happens? Um, he says uh, they, they question why Moses commanded it and God said he allowed it because of the hearts of that day and really the hearts that were in the Pharaohs as, or the Pharisees as well because of your hardness of heart Moses allowed divorce uh, you to divorce your wives what happened in the days of uh, Moses that it's referring to is this that a woman was not free. She was not free once she was married. She, she was not free. A, a man could have multiple wives and really the idea of kicking out his wife uh, out of the house and she was uh, trapped. She was trapped in marriage. Uh, it, it's as if he had abandoned the marriage while staying in the marriage. And so you have this woman who's left destitute uh, uncared for by the, the husband. He moves on to another woman and she's left not to marry again, not to go on in life, but she's stuck. And so Moses, uh, referring to this hardness of heart, says this is the point in time where you can divorce. This is why divorce is so that she can move on with her life. You look at this and really it's an act of compassion. Uh, both of the Lord, of Moses, and now Jesus. And Him pointing to this, this idea where a man has abandoned his marriage but uh, fails to set her free. As we look at this, uh, we see uh, a hardness of heart is now treating someone badly that you're married to. This certificate was meant to free the woman so that she could go and pursue life after that. I want you to hear this because it's super important. In the midst of Jesus answering somewhat technical questions about divorce, 
What does he say? Uh, he, he refers back to this, uh, this certificate of divorce. He, sa- he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But then he says this, but from the beginning, it was not so. It was not so. And I want you to get this, that, that he's even in talking about these practical issues of, uh, it's always interesting. Some people say, well, I don't believe in divorce. I don't believe in divorce. And there's this sense of like, no, divorce doesn't exist in my world. And you can say to that person, well, unfortunately, you don't live in a real world. I know people who are divorced. I know of situations where people's marriage have fallen apart. I know people who are divorced. And that was true uh, in the time of Jesus. That was also true in the time of Moses. And so you see this and you go, I don't want to think about it. I don't want it to be true. But this is what Jesus interjects in this conversation. He says, but from the beginning, it was not so. For us as people, as a church, as, as God's people, as grandparents, as parents, as even single youths, that, that you would say in your heart, I'm going to go with creation design on this one. I'm going to go with what the Lord has designed us for. He's made us for. And Jesus, as he answers the question about this certificate of divorce, he says, I want to remind you that from the beginning, this was not so. And then he says this, and this is uh, what he had shared before. This is what some had believed in the Old Testament as well. Um, he, He refers to this in the Sermon on the Mount earlier in the book of Matthew. But he says this in verse 9, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, marries another commits adultery commits adultery and as you hear that you say well what does that mean what does that mean is it bad yes yes and you say well it seems unfair it doesn't seem right like you you go through all these uh things in your mind and what i want to encourage you about this morning is this listen to jesus listen to jesus follow his path Embrace his thoughts. Embrace his words. You see, uh, he brings together this idea that says uh, marriage is meant to stay together. It's meant to stay together. And it's a sinful thing to look at this and say, well, I'm not going to care about what God thinks about marriage. Jesus stated this. He stated it again here um, as he talks about this except for the issue of adultery. I want to tell you that um, even in these cases, and it's so important for you to hear this, it's so important that Jesus is not commanding anyone to get divorced. He's not saying, hey, everything will be great in the case of adultery. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? It's super important because sometimes in our minds, as we talk about divorce in the church, we're saying, uh, how can we get divorced? When is it great for us to get divorced? And if you look at the context, he says, let me tell you about marriage. It's 
God's design. And even in the case where it's, it's, it's allowed, you say, but it wasn't like that from the beginning. This is what my design is. I want to tell you, reconciliation, reconciliation in marriage is the picture of what God wants for you. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, that may not be possible. That may not be possible in your case. You, you may desire reconciliation and the, the one you're married to would not. And, and you may wait over years upon years and, and they may not be willing. But I want to tell you, hold out hope for reconciliation. This is the Lord's plan for you. And, and, and as you pray, you know that this was, you say, well, there's irreconcilable differences. I want to tell you, you know where that comes from? You and God. You and God. You and God had irreconcilable differences. There was no way. You know what the problem was between you and God? You were dead. You are dead. That's as irreconcilable as you can get. Okay? And I want to tell you, uh, God does the miracle, the miracle, the, the miracle of love and mercy in that He sent His Son Jesus to die so that the impossible could come back together in reconciliation with Him. As you think about this, I, I realize that you say, man, uh, I feel like we've scrambled the eggs in our home and like nothing, nothing, uh, it's hard to get them back in the shell and to sort everything out. And how can we do this? I want to tell you that we are here as a church to help you. We don't have all the answers, but we can cry out together with you to the one who does. And so we want to help you. We want to encourage you uh, in these issues of, of reconciliation. Well, so the Pharisees had a question. The Pharisees had a follow-up question. And the disciples at this point maybe are standing there with their jaws hitting the floor. Oh no, this gets more confusing to me. The disciples were just following after Jesus. They were just hearing what He said. But they, most likely in their own hearts, had this picture of uh, divorce and say, well, yeah, in some cases it's just fine. You know, it's just the way things are. It's the way things are today. I know what Jesus is going to say. And then he says this and they go, oh, what's going on? You see their question. Now, now it comes to the disciples' question. In verse 11, it says this, but he said to them, uh, I'm sorry, verse 10, uh, the disciples said to, to him, if if such is the case of a, man's, uh, of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Do you get their question? Now, now let me, let me uh, do some active listening with you, Jesus. I'm going to uh, tell you what I heard, and you're going to kind of agree or disagree. So, what we should do is not get married. Because there's a possibility of divorce, because of the way marriage is so difficult, we shouldn't get married. You know what? Sometimes that's the picture we give people in the church. Uh, maybe I've given that. Maybe I've said, you know, marriage is hard, and, and we've talked about marriage two, three weeks now, and we're going to talk about it next week too. If you don't want to hear it, don't come. Okay? I changed my title again. 
I'm not going to tell you because I might change it again. But, but uh, it's Valentine's Day. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> next week. Next week. So anyways, uh, sometimes we give the picture that marriage isn't good. Maybe we even give, give the picture that having children aren't good. It's, it's just not a good idea. It's too hard. The kids are a pain. They keep you up all night. They take all your money and dirty diapers. They don't change them themselves and stuff like that. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes we give this picture. We give this picture. And Jesus is going to answer that. Uh, but the disciples' conclusion is, oh, no. Some of them are going, oh, no, I've already gotten married. Oh, what do I do now? Too late. Uh, for those of you who are single, there's, a, there's an answer for you here, okay? Um, and this is what he goes to. And this may feel like an interesting answer to this, but uh, this is what Jesus is saying. He talks about three different classes of people. And for them and their culture, this was something normative. There was something that they knew about. And he goes along saying this. Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those for whom it is given. And what he describes is this, is this. That there are some, there are some, that a life of not being married, uh, of uh, a man never having a wife and a wife never having a husband, that this is part of the plan for them. And, and, and for us, we go, well, we might say, oh yeah, that seems normal. For others would say, oh no, I, I could never picture myself being uh, not married for my whole life, my whole life. And then he gives three examples of people uh, that have never been married. Or, or would, it's the idea this word eunuch uh, has a, a specific idea to it of those who have renounced marriage. Those who will never be married. Okay, let's get this uh, picture together. So First, he says this, there's one eunuch or one person, uh, for there are one who have been so from birth, from birth. The idea that there's some kind of uh, birth defect that will leave them as not part of a marriage relationship for their whole life. There's a birth defect. We've, we've heard about these things. We've read about it. We may have known someone like this. And because of some birth defect, they will never be married. They will never have that relationship, that intimacy. And then uh, in their culture, this is not common for us. We see uh, it's kind of a slavery picture. That were them, there were some that were made eunuchs through castration. Uh, and they were meant to be loyal servants uh, many times in, in the harem of a king that they would go and be the servants to the harem themselves. And he says, so, so there's those ones that were born or had a birth defect. There were others that others forced it on them by slavery. You will never be married. You will never enjoy intimacy uh, through because of what I've done to you. And then he brings a third category uh, that he says this. This third category uh, is for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the kingdom. And he, he pictures and he points to a person who says, I will never get married. I will renounce marriage. I, I will push that away so that I can serve the Lord in a particular place, in a particular way in his kingdom for my whole life without distraction. 
That's a particular thing. And so he gives these three categories of some that won't be married. And I want to tell you, as I look through that list, I go, that's a very small number. Do you get that? It's a very small number. Birth defects, slaves. In our culture today, we don't have slaves that this would, this would happen to. And, and then thirdly, for the only specific reason is that they would serve the Lord in his kingdom forever, okay? If you don't fall into one of those categories, chances are you will be married. Chances are that's the place that God has for you in life. If you're already married, it's pretty obvious. Um, you, you look at this and you say, well, it, Jesus is answering well, they were saying, well, maybe we shouldn't get married. Maybe marriage isn't a good idea. He's saying there are a very few small number of people, just a couple, if you will, that this would be true. And uh, the first part, remember, we read that uh, not everyone can receive this saying, but only from those who it was given. In later uh, passages in the scripture, you, you see this, this gift, this gift of singleness this idea that this is God's intention for you. Um, and, and I want to tell you, if you don't have that gift of singleness, if this isn't God's intention for you, you should pursue getting married. I'm not suggesting match.com or anything like that, nor am I saying it's a bad idea, okay? Uh, in the Lord, in the Lord. Uh, don't get married don't get married to anyone who doesn't know the Lord because the idea of serving the Lord is for a lifetime. It's for every phase of life. It's for the, the, the bringing together of a new family. And then he ends his conversation with saying, let the one who is able to receive this receive it, meaning that there's this special gift. If this is for you, hear it. If this idea of singleness is for you, it, it may be for you, but this is the purpose of it, singleness, to serve the Lord in His kingdom. As we look at this this morning, I just want to bring together three ideas um, that maybe would be helpful for you. And the next week we'll talk about uh, Valentine's Day. The first one is this, marriage is meant for life. Marriage is meant for life. This is His design for you. Uh, when you get married, uh, marriage isn't as long as love lasts, as long as looks last, uh, uh, as long as the money lasts, you know. In fact, uh, have you been to a marriage right here at Bear Valley Church where we talk about for better or for worse? You always kind of have this, your heart leaps when you say for better and you're going, better times are coming. You've been married a while? There's worse, too. Uh, I don't know why they say sickness first. In sickness and in health. Have you ever been there in sickness? I'm so encouraged uh, by how many of you are living out your marriage vows. That's painful. A lot of trips down to Bakersfield. Some of you have done this the last couple of weeks, right? You, you've sat by the hospital bed and you... You're not a doctor, but you're going, what am I supposed to be doing here? I know I'm supposed to be here because this is my wife. This is my husband. No one else is supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't do anything. You're living out your marriage vows. That's the sickness part of it, right? 
You hope there's health after that, but if there's not, you're, you're right by that bed. Sickness, you're living those things out. Marriage is for life. This is God's intention. Second thing, um, I just want to give this to you. In your marriage problems, look to Jesus and nowhere else. In your marriage problem, look to Jesus and nowhere else. It's interesting, the Pharisees came. They weren't really quizzing Jesus in a sense of, I want to go take this and apply this to my life and my family. They weren't doing that. They were testing him. But I want to tell you, if you got problems in your marriage, cry out to Jesus. Look to Him and nowhere else. And nowhere else. Don't ask Dr. Phil or Dr. Laura or Dr. Oprah or, you know, The View or The Rear View or whatever it is. Uh, don't look anywhere. You know what? Uh, don't look to your mom or dad either or your sister or your brother. Especially, especially if they won't point you to Jesus. You know what? You've got to be careful who you talk to about these things. Talk to people about the weather. That's pretty safe for everybody, you know. Funny that it snowed last week, isn't it? And it's beautiful today. It, uh, you can talk about things that don't matter with people who don't have very good advice, but if you talk to, about the most important things of life with people who won't point you to Jesus, that's dangerous for you. If you're struggling in your marriage, guess what? You're already tender, right? You're already at risk. If you talk to the wrong person, they could push you over the edge. So, so as you consider the, the issues that come up in your marriage, look to Jesus and nowhere else. And the last one is this. Unless the Lord reveals it to you, prepare to be married prepare to be married unless the Lord makes something specific a, a call to you uh, some specific thing that you need to do uh, prepare to be married for those of you who are single here today prepare to be married prepare to be married uh, pray in that way pray towards that end don't get anxious uh, if you get anxious you'll grab anyone you don't want to do that okay you don't want to do that um you want the, this whole, the Lord bringing together, right? You, you want the Lord's blessing on that. You want His timing on that. But prepare to be married. Uh, parents, talk to your kids about it, even when they're very young. Even if they're boys, okay? Boys don't want to talk about getting married. It makes them nervous, and they're like, can I just go dig a hole in the backyard or something like that? I don't want to talk about this. Uh, Prepare them to be married. Prepare them to see the difference between a, a godly woman and one who's uh, not godly, one who will take them down. Talk about those things. Talk about it over and over again. Why? Because our world will say it's not important. Marriage is something after you get your career, after you get this, after you get that, and after your life is over, I guess you should get married. Prepare them to be married. Prepare them. I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope this is helpful as we seek to understand what God has for us in regards to marriage. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this um, 
morning. Um, Lord, thank you for your word guiding and directing us. I pray that this would be stirring us up on the inside. I pray for those who have uh, hurts of the past. I pray that you would uh, remind them of that your grace is sufficient for them at whatever place they are in life right now. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you guide us in the steps to come as well. Help us to cling to you and cry out to you in these things. God, thank you for your direction for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to share in a time of communion, uh, worshiping the Lord and remembering uh, what Christ